can't believe I have to fill in for Bobby freaking Moss this morning. All right, take a deep breath. Man, I'm nervous. Uh, would you start with praying with me? Father God, uh, just even singing that last song about uh, you being in the room, and I, it just makes me think of uh, reading through the Gospels of all of these people coming to meet Jesus and encountering you. And uh, they all left very different. Um, some of them who were blind left seeing, some who were sick left well, some who couldn't walk left running and jumping. There were others who had lots of questions and they left maybe with more questions um, and maybe a few more answers as well. And there were also some people who came uh, with, um, with hardened hearts uh, who left even more hardened. And I think it's fascinating that you didn't run after them. Um, you didn't try to change their mind or care about what they thought. Um, and, um, but every single one of them left changed and different because of an encounter with you, Jesus. And so this morning, as we come together, you know where each of us are at. You know where we are as a church, whether you're here in person or watching online or all over the, the country and the world right now. You know where we're at, and I just ask that you would continue what you do best, that you would change lives and eternities uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit by you, Jesus. So we ask as we open up your word today, would you speak to us? I ask that you would soften our hearts so we can hear from you, and I ask specifically and selfishly for me, Lord, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and that your words would come through me and that we would have ears to hear and also hearts and hands to do and obey. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, I have a question for you. How many of you might care a little bit too much what others think about you? All right, if your hands are up, I see a couple pointing fingers too as well. If your hands are up because you're worried about what I'm you know, thinking or watching, you may have a problem. Also, if your hands are down because you're like looking around and don't want anyone to see like, you know, what you're you know, thinking or maybe they'll you know, judge you or think negatively of you, you also may have a problem. So today, what I want to do is I want to talk about thinking about what other people think about you. All right? Um, more specifically, I want to talk about chasing and seeking approval. All right? Now, I know, based on the hands that were up or down, that you all need this desperately. Okay, so this is all for you. I, however, I don't struggle with this at all. Okay, this is not a problem for me at all. So that's why I get to talk to you about this today. Okay, so before we dive in, I'm just going to take a quick second, make sure I have my notes and gather my thoughts. Okay. Ooh, I can't believe I have to fill in for Bobby freaking Moss this morning. All right, take a deep breath. Man, I'm nervous. I've done the best I can on this sermon. I hope people like it. I don't want to let Bobby down or let the church down. All right, pull it together, Jeff. Come on, you can do this. I'm pretty sure you can't destroy the church in 30 minutes. Well, I hope. 
<sighs> I hope they like me. I hope my jokes work. I hope I don't say anything stupid. I hope they don't criticize my exegetical work, or my delivery, or what I'm wearing, or my voice. Good lord, is this really how my voice sounds? Ugh, I feel bad for the people who have to listen to me. Okay, come on, get it together. Stand up straight, look confident, you've got this. Now smile, and three, two, one, preach! Okay, now I'm ready to go, thank you, okay. And, uh, and thanks for laughing, because I was a little nervous of what the response might be, um, because as you might have guessed now, everything I said before that is not true. I should have introduced myself. I am Jeff. I am a recovering addict of approval-seeking, um, and for a while now in my life, what I've realized is that I have believed this lie about myself that I am not enough. And so that has driven me often, as I've been doing a lot of soul work and self-work within me, um, that I have often been looking and searching for and chasing for approval and validation that, that tells me that I am enough. And I know people well enough to know that deep down, we all have a similar problem. Now, your phrase may be entirely different than mine, but we all have this core problem that we're all searching for approval or validation or some kind of medication or, or Band-Aid to kind of heal this wound. And, and it starts because of a lie that we believe about ourselves because of our own fear and insecurity. So speaking about fear and insecurity, uh, that's what I want to talk about, why I want to look at our main verse for today. And uh, I do want to preface this though, by saying this is a little bit of a different sermon for me. Okay, Usually I like having a, a passage of scripture, a bunch of verses that I kind of like going right down through those verses. This one's going to be a little bit different. So we have one main verse, we'll call it like our home base verse, and then from there we'll kind of look at other verses. So it's a little bit different, um, but our, our home base verse, our main verse for today is found in the book of Proverbs, which is a book full of Proverbs, uh, little tidbits, nuggets of wisdom, and advice on how to live. And so this is a really good one that I want to share with you. It's found in chapter 29, verse 25. This is what the first half says. It says, the fear of man lays a snare. All right, the fear of man lays a snare. Now, that, that word snare is this really interesting Hebrew word um, that has this, this imagery of a noose or a trap that catches an animal, um, or it could be this idea of like a hook in the nose of an animal that helps you guide this animal against its control, against its own will, in the direction that you want it to go. So I was trying to think of, okay, well, what, how, how does that apply to you know, our lives today? Something you may not know about me is that I really like fishing. Unfortunately, I live in Chicago, and so I don't have a whole lot of places to fish. And I know other people are like, oh, there's all these places. I'm like, okay, let me paint a picture for what I like to do when I fish, all right? It's like just me, maybe one other person in a small little boat, and it's quiet. It's early morning. The sun's just coming up. You know, so the birds are kind of starting to chirp a little bit. And the, the water is like glass. It's clear, it's smooth, and it's so quiet and calm and peaceful. That's what I love about fishing, all right? And so then, you know, I have my fishing pole, I choose a lure, and then I cast it out towards the shore. I start reeling in. I see the lure. It's, it's a topwater one, you know, so you can see it rippling through. It's by the lily pads. It's just, it's so calm and peaceful. And then all of a sudden, 
this like tidal wave of a large mouth bass, grabs my lure, takes it down into the water. And all of the peace and all of the calmness is all of a sudden like full, I'm just like full of adrenaline. Now this is the, the tricky thing is sometimes with all the adrenaline, you forget to do something really important. Um, they, they teach you to kind of tug your pole a little bit, not, not too much, but just a little bit in order to set the hook. Because what, what we can't see is in the water, this fish has the lure in its mouth, okay? So the hook is in the mouth of the fish, but the, the hook hasn't hooked on to anything yet. It's just in the fish's mouth. So when you give it a little yank, it sets the hook, and these hooks get caught in the fish's mouth, and now you've caught it. Now the battle begins. And so now, you know, it's like this, you know, you're like wrestling with this fish, try, trying to get it towards the boat, towards you, right? But it doesn't want to go. It's diving in and out of lily pads. It's jumping out of the water, splashing around, trying to get that hook out. Sometimes it works, but again, this is my story, so I get to tell you what happened, okay? The fish stays on the hook, and I'm reeling it in, and I'm fighting, and I'm fighting it, and against its will, it's moving in a direction that it doesn't want to go because it's caught on a hook that I have in my control. That's the idea of this verse, that the fear of man or fearing what people think about you or what we often call people-pleasing is like falling for a lure that looks good at the beginning, but now you're caught and now you're hooked and you're being dragged around by this invisible line and this hook against your will in a direction that you don't want to go. That's what people-pleasing is. So I thought of a few different ways of how this fear of man can often hook us in our own lives. So the first one is when you obsess about what others think. All right, when we obsess about what others think, again, it, it seems like we're thinking about them, but it's really about us, right? Like, okay, you know, how does my outfit look? Like, do I fit in here? You know, okay, what do I look like when I'm in this car versus this car? What does my house look like? Oh, I'm having people over. Does the interior decoration look okay? Like, what are they going to think about me? Um, you know, am I cool enough? Is my hair good enough? You're like, all of that stuff. Or maybe it's relational where it's like, okay, how are we doing? Like, how is our relationship? Because I care so much about what you are thinking about me. You know, like I, I sent you a text and I haven't heard anything back and I saw the little floating bubbles but then they disappeared. So like, are we okay in our relationship, right? You're, we're obsessing about what others think and it's a hook for us and takes us down. Secondly, when you are often overly sensitive to criticism. Now criticism hurts, right? It just does. But sometimes we're a little bit too sensitive to it. Like your supervisor gives you some feedback, you know, a suggestion. And for some reason, it just feels so personal. It feels like, ah, that really stung. Or maybe it's a negative comment from a friend, a loved one, even a spouse. And it, it's not that the comment is really bad. It maybe has a little bit of a bite. But what happens is it flows into the narrative that we're telling, the story that we're telling ourselves. So like for me, I'm not enough. Now it's just flowing into that narrative of like, oh man, now I'm not enough. And I'm overly sensitive to that criticism. I mean, they say, right, you can you receive a hundred positive pieces of feedback from people. What's the one thing you're going to remember? That one negative comment, right? That one negative piece or a criticism uh, from people. Uh, number three, when we compare ourselves to others. <sighs> 
my uh, daughter had a, a, a kindergarten graduation party, you know, at the beginning of the summer. And so it's the first time that all the parents, all the kids you know, actually can hang out together, be together. We're all masked up, but you're still kind of like gauging a little bit, kind of measuring yourself like, okay, how do I fit here? You know, so I'm, you know, talking to one of the dads, you know, find out, oh, wow, he, you're a lawyer. Okay. Oh, wow, you own your own firm. And then he's talking about his vacation plans of going to Dubai, going to Egypt. I was like, oh, okay. And he asked me, like, are you guys going anywhere? I'm like, yeah, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, um, or the suburbs, you know? Um, it's this idea of, like, as you're kind of walking around, you're comparing yourself. It's this game that we play of trying to measure ourselves of, like, okay, how do I stack up? You know, how do, where do I stand with this person, this person? You're like, oh, that person's a really great mom, you know, but at least I'm a better mom than that person. Or, um, you know, at least I, I'm as creative as this person, but I'm not really that funny or outgoing. It's, it's this, I, uh, this uh, game that we play of comparing ourselves, and it's a hook, and it takes us down. Finally, uh, when you have a hard time saying no. See, some of us don't like conflict at all, okay? And so we avoid it at all costs because we don't like the feeling within and we also don't like to, you know, uh, you know make people feel bad. We don't want to hurt someone's feelings. And so it's hard sometimes to say no. And so when that's, that's showing us that's a hook, it's taking us down because even when you might be overcommitted and you're like drowning yourself in whatever it is and someone's like, hey, can you help me? Can you save me? And it's like, Oh, yeah, I'd love to, as you're like drowning yourself, right? That would be a hook that's taking us down. So my question for you, based on this quick little list, is which hook most lures you in your life? All right, which of these people-pleasing hooks most gets you? And why do you think you have a hard time with that particular hook? You don't have to answer out loud, uh, but maybe be pondering that uh, during this message and maybe even talk about it with someone this week. I think these are really good things to look at, to think about, to ask ourselves. And the reason for that, and the reason I want to talk about this today in church, is because I think a lot of us think of people pleasing as, like, oh, that, that's a relational problem. Or, or, oh, that's, that's a personality problem, right? That's that type of Enneagram type, you know? Um, it's not. It's a spiritual problem. Um, and there's this quote from a sermon that I heard that I thought was a, a brilliant. And so I wanted to share it with you. I think it's so, so, so important. This is what it says. When you become fearful about what they think about you, and I'm just going to pause right there because you might be like, well, who's they? You know who they is in your life, right? I know who they is in my life, all right? So when you become fearful about what they, whoever they are in your life, think about you, it's the fastest way to forget what God says about you. See, instead of living for the approval of them, again, whoever them is, them are, you know, in your life, uh, we have to build our lives around living for God and for him alone and not of who he says that we are. And the difficult thing here for us is that there are really only two options. Uh, In fact, the Apostle Paul asked this question, and I think it's a great question, and I think we need to ask ourselves this question probably every single day. In Galatians 1.10, it says, or he asked this question, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? It's a good question, right? Now, for Paul's life, or, you know, in this question for him, the answer is pretty easy because we know Paul's story. You know, he was a Pharisee, which means he was like one of the religious elite. He was a leader. He was very influential, famous. He gave that all away and instead became a missionary. 
And he was often run out of town. Uh, He was stoned a couple times. He was beaten a lot. He was shipwrecked a few times. He eventually was martyred. He was killed for believing in Jesus. So in Paul's life, it's it's pretty obvious, right? It wasn't about this. It was about this for Paul. But for you and I, if we were to ask, answer that question, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Is the answer that obvious for us in our lives? Because Paul goes on, he says something even crazier. At the end of this verse, he says, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Basically what he's saying is, It's one or the other. You cannot have both. They don't fit well together. Because if you're about pleasing people, or if you're caring about what other people think about you, if that's what you value, that's not going to work with the values of being a Jesus follower. It just just can't work. People-pleasing doesn't work with being a Christian. So think of it like this. There are two paths. Well, there's a fork in the road, and you need to choose which path you're going to go down. Over here, people-pleasing. Over here, it's living for God. Okay? You have to choose one. And you have to prioritize one or the other. In fact, there's a story about some influential and well-known people in in Jesus' day. They were following Jesus. They were listening to his teachings. It even says that they believed in Jesus. So they, they believed in him. But because they were afraid of what others thought about them, or that others might think negatively about them, or that they might be kicked out of their religious group or their church. This is what it says about them in John 12. It says, For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Isn't that crazy? They loved the approval of people more than the approval of God. They prioritized what people thought about them more than what God says about them. So they chose this path over this path. For us, which path are we going to take? Now, a lot of us as Christians, we're pretty good at saying no to this path, at least making it seem like that. And we're like, no, 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 we're on this path, living for God. However, when we're on this path, it's a little uncomfortable for us. And some of us have lost our way. A lot of Christians have lost their way in this path. And I think the reason for that is because we look over at that path and we're like, well, that's comfortable. Like, that's what I'm used to. Because again, I think, I think our minds are wired for this. I think our culture is wired for this, right? You do good things, you, you, you please people, you, you rise up, and, and again, you're, you make people happy, people are happy with you. That's a really good thing, right? We're used to that, and so now we're over here in this path, and, and quite honestly, it's, it's, it's kind of simple. It's kind of a straight path a little bit narrow, so it's a little uncomfortable, and we don't really know what to do in this path. So you know what we do? We go off-roading. All right, we make our own path. We create our own path, and this path kind of weaves back and forth. It's a little more exciting. It's, it's definitely a lot more work than that path, it's, you know, but it's more active. You know, we're doing stuff. Yeah, it's, it, and it's a little more familiar to us because it's kind of like that path, but it feels, more, it feels better, right? Because it feels more religious. It feels like we're doing good stuff for God. You know why? Because we call this path pleasing God. That's the name of this path, pleasing God. Now, at first, you might be like, that sounds awesome. That sounds like a great path, right? 
Like, sounds really good, sounds biblical, sounds Christian, pleasing God. That's a great motivation, right? Why wouldn't we want to be on this path? Well, the more you're on this path of pleasing God, the more you, you start hearing kind of similar phrases, similar sentences, similar motivations. Where You start hearing people talk about like, you know, striving hard to be all that God wants me to be. You're like, okay, yeah, nothing's so wrong with that, but okay, okay. And then you start hearing things like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm working on my sin. You're like, okay, okay. Like, it doesn't sound horrible. It doesn't sound anti-Bible. So you, you're following this path of pleasing God. And then you start hearing this, this word. It's, it's the favorite word of people on this path of pleasing God. It's called, it's the word should. You hear it a lot. People are like, you should do this. You should not do this. You should be more like this. As a Christian, you should be like this. And, and all of a sudden, you hear all these words from outside, and then they become inside. We're like, yeah, I'm, I'm working hard. I'm striving hard after God. I'm trying to please him. You know, I should be like this. I shouldn't do this. Um, what should I do? You know, as a Christian, I should be more like this. And all of a sudden, you find yourself on this path of pleasing God, trying to perform for him to keep him pleased with you. And the scary thing is, is the more you do that, the more he feels farther and farther away because you continue to struggle and sin. And so then you try to keep trying harder and you keep striving and you keep trying to be all that God can be and you keep saying all the shoulds and all of that. You keep doing more good things and less bad things because you're trying to please God, which is a good thing, right? Pleasing God. But it's exhausting. That's what a lot of Christians are on right now, that path of pleasing God. Now, you might be thinking, well, wait a second, Jeff, hold on. Aren't we supposed to please God, right? Isn't that, that's in the Bible, right? It's a, it's a good thing. It is a good thing. Pleasing God is a great thing, but it cannot be our primary motivation. And the reason for that is because it's impossible, it's impossible to please God when you're on the path of pleasing God. In fact, this is what the Bible says in Hebrews 11. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Do you get it? it is impossible to please God unless you have one thing, which is, it's right up there. It's in yellow. There you go. Faith. Thank you. So that brings us to this pathway. Again, it's simple, it's straight, it's kind of narrow, so it's kind of awkward and uncomfortable for us. And quite honestly, we don't really know what to do with this path. Do you know what, you want to know the name of this path? All right, so we have pleasing people over here. We have this crazy one we made for ourselves, pleasing God. And then over here we have trusting God. The path of trusting God. Can I show you the last part of that? Remember our home base verse? Can I show you the last part of it? It says, The fear of man lays a snare, but, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Notice it doesn't say whoever pleases the Lord is safe. It says whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And what that teaches us is that we don't have to please people we don't even have to please God. All we're asked to do is to simply trust him for who he says he is and who he says we are. And that changes everything. 
In fact, if you are on this pathway of trusting God, you're already approved by God. And so you can live in that. In fact, 1 Thessalonians uh, verse 2, this is what it says. says, But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. And you're like, well, wait a second. It does say to please God. You're like, yes, after the first part of the verse, which is, we are already approved by God. If we trust him for what he says, that is what pleases God. See, trusting God leads to pleasing God. That's the, the, like, pleasing God is just the fruit. It's just the result of trusting God. So whether you had your hand up or down or whatever at the beginning, I have some really, really good news for you and me today. All right, this is the good news. We're already approved by God. All right? We're already approved by God. And it's the approval of God that sets us free from the exhaustion of trying to please people or trying to please God. Because you know what they say about pleasing everyone? You can't, right? You can't please people. We can't even please God, actually. Only Jesus can please God. Jesus in us. Not anything to do with us, but because of what he did for us. He's forgiven us of all of our sins. We are completely changed. So now, Because of that, we can trust God that we are approved by him. And so if you are in Christ, God approves of you. God loves you. God accepts you. God approves of you. He really likes you. And if you are anchored in Christ and in that truth, you no longer are desperate for finding love or acceptance or approval or feeling like you need to be enough. You're no longer desperate for for that for anything else because you already have that in God 100%. And so this is the point of this whole sermon. All right, so if you can just get one, one thing, this is it. Your worth isn't based on what they, whoever they are, think about you. Your worth is fully based on what God says about you. That's really important, and I really like it, so I'm going to say it again. Your worth isn't based on what they think about you. In fact, your worth isn't even based on how hard you try to please God. Your worth is fully based on what God says about you. So that begs the question, then, what does God say about you, right? All right, before I get there, I'm going to quick tell a story about my incredible wife, <clears throat> Heather. All right, and we can be honest here, right? It's, it's been a really hard year and a half, right? Yeah, it's been a really hard year and a half. I think for parents of young kids, I, and, and honestly for everyone, but I'm just speaking from my side of things, like it's just been a really hard year and a half. And, and one thing that I really have appreciated about my wife, Heather, she's, she's an incredible mother, an awe-inspiring woman of God, is that every... Like in the morning before we leave for, you know, whether it's me work or school or, or, you know, we just go about our days, um, she's been doing these affirmations with our kids. Um, And it's really cool because, you know, she'll, she'll say, you know, the, you know, their name and then say a bunch of affirmations and they have to repeat back to her. It's really cool to see, you know, it's really cool to see my daughter and my son, like, you know, they're just repeating after uh, saying, you know, I am brave. I am strong. I am capable. I am enough, I can do hard things, I am beautiful, I am worthy, I am accepted, I am loved, I am enough, God is for me, God is with me. It's really cool to hear little kids say that. 
And, I, and it's very powerful because I'm like, I pray that my kids like believe that for themselves and live that out in their lives. But then it gets vulnerable because then sometimes Heather says, okay, it's daddy's turn and now it's my turn to stand and repeat after Heather. And it's way harder for me to say it. It's way harder for me to come up and say, I am Jeff Anderson. I am brave. I am strong. I am capable. I can do hard things. I am handsome. I am worthy. I am accepted. I am loved. God is for me. God is with me. And I am enough. That's a really hard thing for me probably to believe, and so it's hard for me to say it. It's a very vulnerable thing. It's way easier to see it with kids. And so what I want to do with you all today is some affirmations. Because Romans 12 talks about, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it's just going to take a lot of time for us to get to that place where we actually trust God for who he says he is and who he says we are. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you, if you are able, to stand, because standing up gives you a little bit more confidence and power. So if you're able, I invite you to stand. And also Heather told me that it's, it's very important to ask you to put your hands on your, on your hips like this because it's a pose of confidence. So if you feel good in a place like that, hands on your hips. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read off a list of, of things that are very true. They are in the Bible of what God says about you. And I want you to repeat back those things. Even if you don't feel like it, even if you're like, I don't know about that one, or I've never been told that. In fact, I've been told the opposite. Say it, because it's in the Bible, okay? So just say it. We're renewing our minds, you know, through scripture, okay? So I'm gonna start off. um, I'm gonna say my name. Don't repeat my name. Say your name, okay? Unless your name is Jeff Anderson, which I know there are a few here, uh, well, not here, but in in, uh, New Life. um, But say say your name, and then I'm gonna say a list of things, and I just want you to, like, believe it. And if it's hard for you to believe, like, make a mental note, because those are the ones that we'll probably have to be praying about over the week, okay? All right, so you guys ready? All right. I am Jeff Anderson. I am God's child. I am a friend of God. I am a new creation. I am a saint. I am dead to sin. I am more than a conqueror. I am complete in Christ. I am justified. I am free from condemnation and shame. I am the righteousness of God. I am a member of Christ's body. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am the salt of the earth. I am am a light to the world. I am am redeemed. 
I am forgiven of all my sins. I am strong in the Lord. I am holy and blameless before him. I am delivered from the power of darkness. I am crucified with Christ. I am alive with Christ. I am a co-heir with Christ. I am the apple of my Father's eye. I am chosen by God. I am a citizen of heaven. I am God's workmanship. I am victorious. I am approved by God. I am a delight to God. I am accepted by God. I am deeply loved by God. There you go. You did it. It's pretty good, huh? All right, you go ahead and take a seat. On your way out, on your way out, I have a sheet of all of those plus more. Okay, I didn't do all of them, so believe it or not, um, there's a lot more. Um, I want you to get take one or two. I t- take them all. Please have them. You can pass them out to other people. Please take them. Um, and my challenge for us, as a, oh, okay, my challenge for us as a church is to speak these over our own lives every single day for the next month. Again, it could be more than once, all right, if you don't want to do morning and evening, but speak it. Don't just read it, all right? Speak it, because then it has power, right? And the Holy Spirit speaks through that, um, because we have a lot of lies that we believe about ourselves. I don't know about you, but as, as I read through that list, there's a lot of things I'm like, yeah, right, I don't know that about me. For sure, other, for sure you guys, like this is for sure for you, but I don't know about me. You might feel the same thing uh, for you. But all of these are in the Bible. In fact, I have all the verses on there too. So if you, if you don't believe me, you can go read what God says about you and trust him. Trust him for who he says you are. And one thing I want to do uh, before we close is all of these things are true for the people who are on this pathway of trusting God. But if you're not on that pathway yet, if you're kind of stuck on the pathways of pleasing, like those things may not necessarily be true of you. And so what I do want to do is I want to give you the chance. Again, that, that's the bad news is like who you are apart from Christ is that you, all of us, we're, we're sinners, we're broken, we're desperately in need of his grace and salvation. Like desperately. That's true of all of us. But the good news, and this is true of a lot of us here in this room, is that we're no longer on those paths. We're on this path of trusting God because we have believed in Jesus. We trust him for who he says he is. He is our Lord and Savior. We trust him for what he says about us. The Bible says that even when we're still sinners, even when we're still on these different pathways, that God loved us so much that Christ died for us. He forgave us of all our sins. He took our punishment so that we can be that whole list in his eyes. That's who we are in his eyes. And so if you haven't done that today, you can do that today. That is the good news. And so if, if, that, if you're just not sure about that list, you're like, I don't know. I just I don't feel that. I don't really know. Like, 
I want to talk with you today. I want to be able to pray with you. Again, I don't have anything magical to say. I'm just like, I know that is the good news that he offers to you today. We have a lot of people here at this church uh, who, who know that for their own lives. We're, we're you know, working hard not to please God, but to trust him for what he says about us. And we want to be able to come alongside you and make that big step over to this path with you. So in closing, for all of us, May we go out this week knowing that you are not what they think about you. You're only what God says about you. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Right? If, if we let that truth penetrate our heart, if, if, that's, if that's what leads our lives, like we can step into the rest of this week. We can step into our workplace, our relationships, our family, our classes. We can go into our life knowing in this confidence that we're already approved by God, that God approves of us. God loves us. We don't have to please people. We don't have to please God. All we're asked to do is just trust him for what he says about us. You're approved by God. You are loved by God. And that is all that matters. Just trusting him. Because those who trust in the Lord will be safe in and through him. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that we don't have to earn your approval or the approval of anyone else. Today, we are so thankful for your son's sacrifice, which secured all the approval, all the acceptance, all the love, all of the things that our souls so desperately long for. We already have that in you. Help us to trust you in that. Help us to embrace the freedom that your approval gives us each and every day. And I pray that you would help us speak this truth over our own lives this month. And I can't wait to see the change and the transformation that's true of all of us who encounter you, Jesus. And as we see how you see us, I can't wait to see the lives changed here in this room. I can't wait to see the marriages changed, the parenting and child relationships changed. I can't wait to see this neighborhood, Lincoln Park, changed. I can't wait to see the city of Chicago changed and transformed. I can't wait to see this world changed and transformed because of the good news of just trusting Jesus. pray this in the power and the name of Jesus. This morning we're actually going to close in worship and in remembering the death, that sacrifice of Jesus for us. And we're going to do that through communion. So if you're at home, I invite you to grab some elements um, that you can join us. Uh, if you're here, um, just hold on to that. What we're going to do is we're just going to take a minute or two of quiet, of silence, just to meditate, just to reflect. Um, and maybe for you, even right now, it's, it's reflecting on sacrifice of Jesus and what he did for you so that you can be what he sees in you, what he says you are in Christ. Take a few minutes.
Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So together, let us remember Jesus. If you guys would like to stand for the last song as we just declare through this message.